0: The following program contains material that may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Hi! Hi! I'm your friendly neighborhood clown, <laughs> Woo! Regina I was, McDonald. I was going to attempt a Wendy thing, but it didn't really work out. It turns out we neither of us... Um, that's a lie I do actually own a light blue and white pale striped dress but it's not like Wendy's style it's like a halter it's not super flattering
1: okay yeah it probably wouldn't have worked out also I've recently discovered like just tonight that I can't do pigtails it pulls on my hair and it hurts
0: it hurts it hurts so is like, that what that was <laughs> yes I do get out oh no <laughs> hello hi for those of you listening and not watching i am dressed up as a clown Yeah, And for a reason, kind of, well, yes, I have decided to let this really dumb filter on Instagram inspire my everyday outfits. It just decides her fate. It decides my fate every morning. I get up and I go, Instagram filter, what is my alignment today? And uh, this is my third day doing it. First day was chaotic couch potato, which was just really fun and comfy. The second was succulent baby. Yeah, that one, you went like... (laughs) succulent I was like (laughs) succulent means juicy (laughs) like that's what it means I assumed you were
1: gonna cover yourself in plants and then to my uh surprise I mean it looked great but I was I was definitely not I was expecting like succulents and you went succulent succulent I was like succulent
0: baby I was going for like sugar baby baby vibe because I'm not gonna dress up like a baby baby yeah that's weird and like I'm not kink shaming I just personally feel weird doing that
1: especially when you have to run errands
0: I'm not into age play but yes so today's uh today's prompt was neutral takeout right neutral takeout which sounds weird takeout was a really weird thing for them to have thrown into that um the takeout had little like dumplings Dumplings. on it like obviously implying Chinese takeout I am not about to dress up as Chinese take out. That right. just feels uncomfortable weird. and weird and, yeah. like, and wrong and, like, probably racist. Yeah, so, pop, pop,
1: definitely could be misconstrued in a lot of different ways mm-hmm, and not mm-hmm. in yeah. positive ones. So,
0: uh, me being a white bread American went with the most white bread American thing possible. McDonald's. <laughs> So uh, yeah, check out my social media if you want to check up on Regina McDonald. I mean, and her it out really good.
1: And I was—I <laughs> remember watching your story and being like, "How the fuck is she gonna do that?" <laughs> it took me a while. And I was, and then I was like, "Oh, this is badass!" Like <laughs> that can't... is really cool. That's a, that's a take on it that was like outside the box that I was not expecting. I was—I did not know what to expect. I thought at one point. I did think that maybe you would just dress up as a box of fried noodles. And instead, we got this cool look. So
0: I feel like I don't know. I just I feel cute. I like I like it. Like I want to just look like more clowns now. My favorite comment I got though was on Instagram. You could have chosen Wendy's, but you chose chaos. Like <laughs> So true. You could like but it it been been neutral
1: takeout would have been Wendy, but you just went, no. For some <laughs>
0: reason, I know. I in my mind I was like, what is the most like normal, quick go to? In my mind, neutral fast food worldwide is mcdonald's it's everywhere i think to be fair this is neutral for you <laughs> yeah it turns out i accidentally chose chaotic takeout yes but if yes. I, honestly though if it was chaotic takeout i would have picked something more wild, gone a different direction like i might have done the jack-in-the-box guy i was just something. about to say like
1: jackie in the box
0: yeah like something creepy and weird Yeah, like not like cute and like i'm Ronald mcdonald's idiot little sister, which I'm now obsessed with this persona. i yes. just one of That's those.
1: your new D&D character. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Dad, did you see Rhea's tweet about this? No. Oh my god. Okay, so first of all, that was, of course, one of my DMs, Devin, who commented, I chose chaos. And then on Twitter, freaking Rhea... Retweeted my picture and goes D and D idea. Everyone plays the heirs of fast food chains around the world, trying to stop the takeover of the health food kingdoms by their corrupt parents. <laughs> Yes. And restore balance to the food pyramid. Okay, now I am so in. Oh yes, it's like and the comments on that are like so when do you want to run this game? <laughs> yeah. No, that
1: is something I would actively
0: either participate in or watch
1: religiously. Yeah, so.
0: so far, oh my god, so far we have someone wanting to be Jack in the Box and someone wanting to be Dairy Queen. Dairy they're they're going to be Blizzard. Dairy Princess. Oh my god, with the oh with the blizzard scroll and her aunt, she'll be a, the the dairy queen wizard. Yeah. I'm just so in Oh, and this guy wants to be Carl Hardy. What's up, Nerren? Carl Hardy the third, like Hardys. Oh my god. <laughs> That's great. I'm obsessed. But anyways, welcome to Quite on the Macab. I'm a clown. <laughs> And I am still Kelly, so So I'm still Kelly. One day you'll be dressed up weird and I'll be normal. That that day will come. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe Dragon Con. Yeah. Why would I not be dressed up for Dragon Con? That's very true. I don't know. Okay. It's an off day. Maybe I'll be tired or (laughs) something. We're like halfway out of cosplay. Just like, hey guys, what's up? And uh, what's our topic? Con artists. (laughs) 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 Yes. We chose con artists because it's April Fool's Day. And scammers are kind of April Foolish, right? Um... Yeah, because what's the biggest prank of all? Cheating people out of money. Yeah. That's the biggest prank of
1: them all. Honestly, they could have been written off entirely if they had just said April Fool's afterwards.
0: It's true. Mm-hmm. In the past, we did perilous pranks, and now we're doing con artists, which is honestly the step, the next step after pranks. It is. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. It's like when you want to take your pranks to the next
0: Yeah, one. it's when your pranks become so illegal, you go to the court and you're like, uh, judge, it was just a joke. It was just a joke. It's just a joke. It's fine. I did it. Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: richer so it worked
0: out. It's, it's everybody fine. thinks it's funny. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> laughing. Everyone's laughing at how much money I have. We have talked about a few con artists in the past. I know H.H. Yeah. Holmes is more notorious for his murder hotel. Yeah. But he was a con artist. Well, do you know any con artists? Kelly. Oh, Firefest. That guy's a con uh, artist. Yeah. So Firefest is definitely a fucking con
1: artist. Um You know, I was just talking to Brendan about this, actually, about how he was asking me if I'd ever been scammed before. And I haven't, uh, but he has because he got a lot of graduation money when he was going to college, and then while he's at the ATM, like, he doesn't even have his money in hand yet. And he's going to the ATM, and this guy convinces him to buy speakers off of his truck that he, like, they just were so overstocked, but they were the best speakers. And he was giving him a fucking deal, because normally they're, like, like $1,000, and he was going to get them for, like, 400 Oh, my God. And yeah, and so he was just like,
0: wow, that's awesome.
1: No, baby. Baby Brendan was just like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's great, and did it. And then, like, came home and told his brother about it was so excited. And he was just like, look, I just got these, like, $1,000 speakers for $400. Look how cool I am. And Coleman was just like, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> no, that, those aren't good. And then just, like, he, he, I think he, like, showed him the articles of how, Scammers all over the place. That were just selling like empty speakers that had like nothing inside. and There was nothing special about them. It was just
0: oh, so they the were box. empty speakers or something. Inside? They were speakers.
1: They worked, but they weren't good speakers.
0: Oh. So he was just super sad, sad, and
1: ashamed. He didn't tell his family. The only close well, brother.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't tell anyone either. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. I um uh, these homeless people fucking trying to scam you everywhere all over uh, Atlanta yeah. and just people in general, homeless or not. Um. I remember two different times. One is, like, a very baby scam. Like, the first time I ever had experience with, like, someone on the street trying to scam me, and my friend was in high school. Mm -hmm. My poor, sweet friend, she, like, just went to public school straight out of Catholic school her whole life and was just, like, a sweet... She wasn't like the Catholic school girls where it's, like, now I do a shit ton of drugs because, oh my gosh, one extreme to the next. She was, like, actually just, like, a sweet girl and just, like... Liked everyone. It was just really nice. and all Everybody stuff. is great. God like, is in em- us all. Yeah, she's like, everyone's great. God's great. Love it all. Yay. And I took her to Little Five Points for the first time. And a homeless man came up and was just like, hey, do you guys have, like, $2.50? I'm buying this, like, like I just need this, like, really specific thing. I'm just short on whatever. And Tess was like, I have a $5 if you have change. Oh, no, honey. And, buddy. like, and I didn't have time to react. Like, she, dude, I can see it in slow motion. You're just like, no. She handed him the $5, <laughs> and she was like, okay. And he was like, what? And she was like, can I have the change back? And he was like, what? And she's like, the the change for the $5. And he like pretended to not like know what she was saying, like almost as if there was like a language barrier. All of a sudden, but like somebody who's like, asking you. Uh, well, I guess he had he needed like that, the,
1: just the two fifty to make up for it. Oh
0: uh, no, he didn't. I mean, he probably didn't really need it for anything. He just wanted money and was like, like a lot of people say that if they're like just short of buying like cigarettes or alcohol or yeah. whatever, or they just make it sound like they had money and they just are really short just to get sympathy. Um, and then there was another time. Where my friend, her boyfriend was from Japan, and he was visiting America for the first time because she had been living overseas in Japan for a while, and you know, got this cute Japanese boyfriend. He like came over and visited. Uh, they pulled into a parking deck in Atlanta, and this guy was like, "Oh yeah, it's like this much for parking." Which, by the way, a lot of people will try to scam you for parking if they just if, they, if it's a person that just walks up and there's no kiosk or anything. Yeah, and he's just like, "Yeah, it's like this much." For parking like 20 bucks or something and he only had a $50 bill and just like handed it to him and the guy <gasps> just walked off with it no and there was no payment for that parking lot at all oh no like the guy was like yeah I've changed I'll go get it and like never came back no oh mm-hmm. that sucks yeah and then my <gasps> the ultimate scams of all why didn't we think of this kelly what is those fucking emails where people ask for money, the, like... Oh, like, I'm an Egyptian prince. Yeah! like, I'm an Egyptian prince scam emails! But, so there's another scam email that actually was targeting, I think, boomers who, like, didn't know any better. Okay, so this happened to my mom's boyfriend years back, this poor man. Okay, so someone got into an old friend of his email and sent this whole sob email explaining how they're trapped... In another country, like, they went on vacation, and something happened with, like, losing their passport and whatever, and they don't have the money to, like, leave the country, and they're, like, stuck. And, like, this crazy-ass fucking story about being trapped in another country and how they need to be wired money to leave. And he fucking did it! No. And he, like, told my mom, and my mom was like, (gasps) No. That was a scam. You should have just called them if you knew them to be like, hey, is this you? But, no, he panicked. Oh, I mean, he has a
1: good heart.
0: I know. And like, he just wanted to help because he didn't know. Yeah. But that's one thing some people will do. And then, oh my God, now that I keep doing this, where we come up with one thing and now I'm on a train of like, oh, you're just like, oh, and then this, and
1: then this, and then this. this." this.
0: Actually, okay, this next one, I want to look it up because it actually is a wild story of people trying to attempt to scam you by getting you freaked out, by making you think they're going to like harm a loved one. Oh. Kind of thing. Oh, I
1: remember you talking to me about this, actually. Yeah,
0: I read this. I don't know I don't know how true it is. I read it on Tumblr in college. So, like, fuck me if it's not true, but, man, man, was it an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> so. This is on NBC News.
1: So, oh. so it's actually legit. This
0: is a real thing. Yes, okay. I just found out, North Texas, NBC News, scam caller claims loved one is hurt and crash and then demands money. No. So basically they call to make sure that you do, in fact, like, have a brother they're like i called you because you were labeled like sister and their phone and whatever and they're really hurt and don't know what to do and then it turns into like i'll kill them if you don't send me money like i have taken them hostage like it just oh. took them turns yeah and like they do it to get you in such a heightened like upset state and they're just like if you hang up i'll hurt them like you can't yeah, you the can't, phone. yeah and oh so my God. um that's evil yeah God, and that and that like they're claiming they they called because like you were listed as their emergency contact. When when you ask um what do you say what the man say his name was and they're like, Oh well he's unconscious, so like we don't know his name. Mm. And like just shit like that. Um, That's clever
1: though. You gotta mm -hmm. hand it to him
0: for that, like And the caller asked yeah, so here it is. The caller asked the girl for the name of her father, husband or brother and what type of car they drive. To confirm it's the right person,
1: and then you should have t- asked them that. But I, I mean, you're not thinking that if you're like, "Oh my, my brother is hurt." Yeah, you know, like that's not going to be the, the thing on your mind. Like, um, are you sure it's my brother? You know, because right. it's be like
0: if, if someone if somebody calls you from their phone, okay, yeah, they claim to be a paramedic. They got your number because you're listed as an emergency contact. Like oh. The whole the whole thing is really sketchy and chaotic. But if you don't know better, like. A lot of yeah, people just would like, my, for it. Yeah, my
1: family is in danger. I have to help. Like, that's, right. that's and a so, normal response. Like,
0: after telling him the information, um, the caller, he screamed back to someone to check, someone in quotations, <laughs> um, to check to see if the crashed car was a black suburban. Then came back to the phone and he says, Yeah, that's your dad in the accident. The other story was a girl with her brother. This story I'm reading on NBC is, like, they're claiming that they have this girl's dad. Okay. Sorry if I said that really confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I kept up, so... Thank you. And we've had some wine. Yeah. So, that's bodes well you might also just know me well and know that i talk in circles the guy said your dad was exiting exxon the gas station and he hit a 17 year old on a motorcycle the 17 year old was my son and now your dad is going to pay for the damages and so it like takes a huge fucking turn all of a sudden. Yeah. it is a really good scam it's yeah. fucked up oh yeah and now that he's no longer claiming to be a paramedic, she's now talking to an angry family member and wanting money to pay for the damages to their son. Yeah. He said he was kidnapped. They took him to apartments and that he had my dad's phone. And if he received calls or texts from you or anybody, we were going to put a bullet in your dad's head so she couldn't call her dad to confirm. So what I what I would have done... Oh, fuck. But if anyone called... God damn it. But that's not fair. I mean, what do you do? What if someone else called... See that's the thing. So the girl on Tumblr story I read, she texted her brother and was like, "Are you okay?" And he was like, "Yeah." And that's how she knew Mm. that it was a scam. This guy in particular thought worked worked around that was like same guy. Dun dun dun. He learned from his past mistakes. And this time, things will be different. This time, things will be different. He's going to get his. So the caller wanted $3,000 in ransom. Well, I would have done is just drive straight to my dad's fucking house. Yeah. If he's local to me. Yeah. Um. Or call, like... Someone who lives with him or something. His wife. Or if your mom is still married to him. Your mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're that far gone with marriages. I just assume everyone's divorced. Like, oh, they're me. obviously broken up, so <laughs> No, um, or like his girlfriend or just somebody. Yeah, like someone, like a neighbor. Yeah. Like, can you just see if he's home? Yeah. That's what, that's what I want to do. I just text a bunch of people to be like, can you just go verify in person for me? Thank you. Don't call him. Just verify. So she said, my coworker told me, ask him for a picture of your dad. So I said, I want a picture of my dad. He said, lady, are you listening? We have your dad kidnapped. and We're going to put a bullet in his head. You can save the money for the funeral. Um, and he said, uh, are you there? She started to respond, but then he hung up the phone at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, She said she was too panicked to doubt the story, which is a scare tactic that is used a lot in scams like this, where they try to get you so panicked that you can't think straight. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't want to call the caller back. She was scared to call her dad. Called 911 and reached a dispatcher A dispatcher who called her dad, conferenced him in, and her dad said that he was home safe and doing chores. The 911 dispatcher told her that they've gotten calls like this before, but the Dallas Police Department um, said it wasn't familiar with them specifically. Um, other departments were saying the scheme almost always starts with a loved one who is hurt and a paramedic need, uh, needing cash. Yeah, so that's something to fucking look out for. Let's see, when was this article written? Don't trust paramedics on the side. So this article was written <laughs> in 2017. I read that Tumblr story in 2014. So this has been going on for some time. Uh, saved, I'm glad to know nothing like that's ever fucking happened to me. Yeah, I've definitely never had a serious scam before, mm-hmm. ever. I have received, like, I had received the Egyptian Prince emails when I was, like, a kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like... I don't understand this and ignore it. Right. <laughs> like, I was just like, I don't... I was don't like, I'm know. 12 with an email. I don't know what Also, I name. haven't money. I'm 12. I yeah, have uh, Barbies. Do you want my Barbies? Also, <laughs> I don't know who the fuck you are. I don't yeah. know who the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Straight yeah. danger. Straight danger. I'm
1: surprised on our, like, con artist thing. Neither of us have picked something that is online.
0: You know what? Yeah, I picked uh, a story from something that happened, like, 100 years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mine happened probably around the same time let's see hang on really yours is that old too 19 uh, or 1882 to 1949 well i so think, 1949 that's not like
0: i think it's because scam artists these days like they can't go in for the long con anymore like they mm-hmm. get caught too They're quickly <laughs> they pussies no they get caught too quickly too easily it's the
1: age of technology you can't get away with crimes anymore <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Unless they're technological crimes. Mm-hmm. Unless they're really quick, like, you know, why are I convince you to wire me money online. Yep. The end. Um, and done. Uh, yeah, and, and done. And we're done. Ooh, here's another scam, actually, that almost... Oh, this was bad. Okay, so remember when we were doxxed, like, a few years ago on Facebook? Because that one girl... <gasps> oh my god, yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there was a scam involving that that did not involve us, but involved McK- them trying to get Mackenzie? Yeah. Um, a friend of ours... Basically, was being if y'all are familiar with a site called Four Chan, Five Chan, I, yeah, Six Chan. Maybe they just call it B now. I mean, that B was also referenced before. I'm so old, I don't fucking know what it is anymore. It's a forum. You kids will know. You kids will know. It's a forum where incels shit on each other, and they like to shit on pretty women. And some people were hyper after this girl we knew. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. hyper after her because they were convinced that she left her boyfriend, who was I guess their friend, for another guy. Even if that um, was all true, the reasons
1: to like, to like try to destroy someone.
0: Even if that was true, why are you like so obsessed with her?
1: Wasn't and, it like the guy who got cheated on? He wasn't even that upset. It was he like wasn't mad,
0: and, was... and he didn't get cheated on. He was like it was an amical breakup. Yeah, what the fuck. But no, these people wanted blood. They wanted a reason to hate her for some reason. She's a girl. She was an acquaintance of ours. And we had honestly just met her. We see people actively cyberbullying her on facebook and we were like the fuck so we commented being like well that was you actually oh that's just me that's just me and Kendall. i was just like i don't know any of you and i yeah. you
1: told me about it but I like forgot. That, was, that was the extent of my yeah. so here's what happened she came to my birthday or no is it was a, no it was a halloween party yeah she came to a halloween party that's the extent of how we knew her
0: yeah like she came to one party i met her at anime weekend atlanta like mm-hmm. it was not a, a deep connection so she's being hyper she's being cyber bullied i can't stand when people are being cyber bullied especially when they did nothing wrong i defended her and so did kenzie and then you happened to at that same fucking time we were defending her you happened to be tagged in a photo with her and from the party where i had met her and so these people went on to like this 4chan-esque site and posted photos of us to try to get like nudes of us to spread all over the internet to try to get any dirt they possibly could. Obviously there's nothing there. Don't even fucking try because there's nothing there. I mean, that's a lie. Go try. Try all you want. But you're going to waste a lot of time.
1: (laughs) Unless they can't tell
0: you what to do. If you just want a shit ton of selfies and cosplay photos, like have a fucking ball. Like go for it. The reason why they were looking for stuff like that was because for attractive women and they think that this they, they think that'll destroy an attractive woman's life. Like, okay. Yeah. If you if someone took away a nude of me and spread it around the internet, they're the asshole. Yeah. Like, I'm the victim. We saw your boobs, that means you suck. Okay. Like I don't know how, but I'm sorry for having a body. Anyways, (laughs) granted, it's mortifying and upsetting, absolutely. But you're the asshole, not... uh, But come on, to be this obsessed with it? Yeah. It's a little sad. So, someone managed to get into my email, assuming it was attached to my Facebook. I've always had social media-specific emails. So, they they thought they could use my work email (laughs) to get into Facebook. (laughs) Kelly got locked out of her Facebook.
1: I got sent um, on Messenger. I got sent, like, a survey... And it was by I had mutual friends with a girl, and she was like a cute Aww. girl from like Atlanta and she scam like, hey, the survey. Like my friends have told you about blah blah blah. And I was like, or have told me about you, and would you mind doing a survey for this? It would just like really help our company. And I was just about to move to Atlanta, so I was like, I'll make friends. Oh Phoebe. <laughs> I was like, I'll make friends if I take the survey. And so I take the survey, and it was like two questions. I was like, that's a really dumb survey and then I get locked out of Facebook and I'm like no Mm -hmm. and then Katie's telling me about all these posts that are happening yeah like jump through hoops for like a day yeah people
0: were put this person was posting bullshit on the Kelly's profile and actively blocking me and Mackenzie and it was a big and that's how we knew it was these people in these comments is because the people targeting us on 4chan were like we they were had they got into Kinsey's profile as well I was the only one who didn't get a profile hack. I just had to beat my way back into my email. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the email thing. Yours took a while to get back into it. F-
1: thanks, Google. Uh, yeah, you had to, like, give them, like, a passport or some shit. I yeah. I it was, like, a, like, big hoops to jump through. I had through. to show
0: multiple forms of identification. I was like, are you kidding me? Um, anyways, which like nothing bad came out of that. No, none of my, like I didn't have information to take there really to take because that's just not how I operate. Hello. Um, my parents have been working in computers since the eighties. So they, since I was seven, they were like internet security. (laughs) The story has a point, I swear (laughs) to God, and there is a scam involved. So the people targeting Kinsey someone who had her phone number someone got her phone number and they texted her a link being like someone's posting nudes of you online mm. and she's like I'm not touching that link yeah she forwarded she like copy pasted the text and sent it to her friend and was like I'm scared to touch this what the fuck is this email unfortunately her friend um, clicked like, on the, it. um her male friend cause it's always dudes who do this I swear clicked on it Kelly no they got hacked into their phone and they took they stole their money right they stole all of their money out of their bank account oh and bought a bitcoin which you can't get that money back so their whole life savings Uh, into like crypto that's which they can't access that yeah because it's not even under their account Mm -hmm. did they ever get it back I don't know. I should probably ask Kenzie about that. But I remember hearing about it and my heart sank. I was like, holy shit, that's terrifying. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, that's awful. These people were going after us hard, man. I was like, fuck. Like, Jesus Christ. They wanted blood just because we wanted to defend a girl who like existed. (laughs) 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 Who was dating a guy
1: and then broke up with
0: another guy. (laughs) How dare. Yeah but uh, now that I've told this very long-winded, I've got to start learning how to, like, bullet point my my stories. Like, that was so much. I'm so sorry. Um, But if you want to go into your thing, I'm so excited to hear about it. Okay, so
1: it's less exciting than I had hoped it would be, but it is still kind of an interesting story. I found out where the term Ponzi scheme comes
0: from. I just assumed that was, like, Saying, you know, is Ponzi a person? Ponzi is a person. That's what I thought. Is Ponzi scheme a pyramid scheme? Yes. Okay. Charles Ponzi. He's born in Italy in eighteen
1: eighty two. We don't need to go into his background too much, but basically, um, in nineteen oh three, he comes to Boston um, on the SS Vancouver. Um, he says he had two fifty in his pocket, but had a million in hopes and dreams. I'm screaming. <laughs> <laughs> he had to learn English, um, so he spent a few a few years like doing odd jobs along the East Coast. Um, eventually, taking a job as a dishwasher in a restaurant, and he just slept on the floor there. Well, um, oh, sad, sad story. Yeah, he got but he got fired because he he worked his way up from like dishwasher to waiter, but he got fired because he was stealing and shortchanging customers so yeah goodbye goodbye Um, you are stealing Mm -hmm. it's done so in 1907 he moves to quebec because he has failed in the u.s to make any money
0: he's a failure time to go to canada his his million
1: dollars in dreams didn't get him shit surprise surprise this is the real america
0: because (laughs) he chose to steal from a fucking restaurant so but he knows french though right Okay, so... That he ha- you have to know French to live in Quebec legally. So this is the part of it. Um, so he
1: goes to Quebec, becomes an assistant teller in a new bank called Banco Sarossi. Um, it's a bank that's started by Luigi Sarossi to service the influx of Italian immigrants that are arriving in the city. He had this winning personality. He's really charismatic. He spoke English, Italian, and French, oh. um, which all helped him to get this job at the bank. And it was at this bank that he first sees this concept of uh, what they say, robbing Peter to pay Paul, uh, which is basically like Zerosi paid 6% interest on bank deposits, which was like double the going rate at this time. So basically they were people who were investing, they were taking that money and giving it to people who needed money.
0: So they're Robin Hooding... Basically. People.
1: They're just like, oh, and then we'll, you know, we'll return it So they're whatever. stealing
0: from the rich to give to the poor and then pay back the rich? Not even
1: necessarily. It's just,
0: like, stealing from the rich to give
1: to other rich to keep their business in business. And to
0: then pay other rich? So, like, yeah. stocks. Yeah. So, um, eventually he... Ponzi,
1: uh, rises to bank manager. Um, however, he found out that the bank was in serious financial trouble. Go figure because of bad real estate loans, and Zerosi was funding the interest payments not through profit on investments, but by using money deposited by newly opened accounts. So it was all just super fucking shady. The bank eventually failed, and Zerosi fled to Mexico with a large portion of the bank's money. So this guy just, like, got away with criminal theft, and then took it, ran to Mexico. Ponzi stayed in Montreal and for some time lived at Zerosi's house, uh, keeping the man's abandoned, or help, helping the man's abandoned family. That's a cat. So
0: I'm ready to hear how this active criminal. Okay, so, well, okay, the, the
1: Zorossi at this point is the criminal. He's, he's like, stolen some money from restaurants in the U.S. Canada doesn't care. Oh, They're this cool. isn't
0: Ponzi. No, this isn't
1: Ponzi. This is Zarosi. Zorossi. And he has taken these profits from the bank. Like, Ponzi sat back and watched it happen and didn't say shit. He knew what was going on. He just like didn't get involved. So he is still like semi-criminal, but he's not as criminal as the motherfucker who opened the bank, ran the bank, took people's money, and then ran away to Mexico with it.
0: It's like if you watch someone get bullied and do nothing, you know better You're just than the, the bully. bully. <laughs> yeah. Which like I say that like it's a joke, but like actually, it suck. is true. It sucks. It's yeah. you, you watch someone get bullied, you do nothing. Like mm. defend your fellow humans. Okay, mm. so. So Ponzi stays back.
1: Zorosi like straight up just dipped, left his family behind and took the money and went to Mexico. So Ponzi is like, okay, well, I guess I'll go take care of your family. And he goes over to his house, which may- I think it's just like he wanted a place to stay and was just kind of like under the guise of like, I know he left and I'll
0: help, you know, kind of thing. So is Zorosi the one who stole from the restaurant, failed, went to Quebec? No. no. Ponzi is the one that stole from the restaurant, went to Quebec, and then and bon- and watched, watched this- Zorosi's bank. And then, okay, and then watch this crazy shit go down. Right, exactly. So
1: now he's living at the Zerosi house since Zerosi left and went to Mexico. Um, and his plan was to return to the U.S. and start over. Um, but he's penniless, and this proved to be very difficult because he can't get to the U.S. without money. Eventually, he walked into the offices of a former Zerosi customer who, uh, it was Canadian warehousing, um, he found nobody was there, so he just wrote himself a check for $423.58 and a checkbook that he found. Checks are the
0: dumbest concept to me. But it's, it's the, such a peculiar number, though. $423.58. I think they did it to make it seem like this was a very specific purchase. Yeah, you're right. That's probably um weird. Oh, I just remembered, I saw, I just remembered another scam that happened to me um, with people stealing your credit cards and your debit cards and stuff. To, like, when people steal a number and they buy shit with your money. Oh my god, that happened to me, like,
1: a couple years ago when I was living with you and it was fucking bullshit. Yeah, that
0: happened to me, uh, yeah, so heads up, if you go to a gas station ever and you use your debit card, Don't. hit credit.
1: Yeah.
0: Hit credit, because I had to get my debit card replaced twice in two weeks, because I, and I had, and I know it was the gas station, because that was the only place I had purchased Anything with the new card. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't put your PIN number in a gas station. Never do it. They Don't have like it. little things that they can. Uh, okay. Anyway.
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry. Ponzi goes to this old bank customer, Canadian Warehousing, writes himself a check because nobody's there and he just decides there's a checkbook there, might as well use it. And he forges the, si- the signature of the director of the company because he knows the director of the company's name since he was working with the bank that he was the manager at. So, he gets confronted by the police, who had taken note of these, like, sudden expenditures um, after the check was forged. And Ponzi apparently just holds out his wrist and goes, yep, I'm guilty. (laughs) He's just like, it was me. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Uh, He just didn't want to put up a fight. Yeah, he's just like, oh, you caught me, coffers. Oh, you got me this time. (laughs) Um, So, he ended up spending three years at St. Vincent de Paul Federal Penitentiary, um, which is a, obviously, a penitentiary. This is the 80s? This is, no, this is, uh, 1907?
0: Oh, for some fucking reason, I thought you said, like,
1: 1980.
0: Oh, no. So, $400 is so much more money there. And I honestly, okay, I think that in my story... The woman I'm going to talk about, which happened in, like, 1915, I think they counted for inflation. So all the numbers, I say, will be, like, today's numbers. Oh, okay. Well, that's that nice. No, yeah, I was
1: going to look up how much this would be in 1907, but then I didn't.
0: Yeah, it's okay.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> you can um, look it up.
0: It's a lot of money. You have to go to three. Like, if you have to go to prison for three years for stealing 400 fucking dollars, you would go to prison for, like, a week. For stealing like $400 yeah, today. No. Like. I, if you
1: even went to prison, they're like, really? It's Trump change. I'm pretty sure it's not a criminal, like a federal offense unless it's like over 5000 or something like that. That,
0: okay, when it comes to shoplifting, it is a felony if it's over $100. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know.
0: But, um... You little felon, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so... We're gonna <laughs> be- I was a teenager once. So what happened to this
1: guy? <laughs> Alright, so... Goes to jail. For three years. But he doesn't tell his mom. I, this is just a fun fact. He doesn't tell his mom that he went to prison. He instead just writes her note and says that he's a special assistant to a prison warden because he doesn't want to tell her that he got arrested.
0: Aww, baby. But money, also, like, he stole a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so after
1: his release in 1911... Um, he decided to return to the U.S., but got involved in a scheme to smuggle illegal immigrants across the border. Um, he was caught and spent two more years in Atlanta prison. Hey, hey.
0: um, how? I, I it's, it's like they look for the illegal activity. How does this, how do opportunities like that approach someone? I, I, you know what? I bet he made friends in prison. That had to be I'm, it. Well, yeah, I'm sure that had to been it. Like,
1: so. He ends up in Atlanta prison for smuggling illegal immigrants over. And then he becomes a translator for the warden while he's there because he speaks Italian, French, French, and English. He was intercepting letters from mobster Ignacio the Wolf Lupo. So he's a translator for the warden who is intercepting these letters. um, And he ended up befriending Lupo because he's like the translator. And so they just become buds. Yeah. Um, And then another prisoner... Charles, L, or Charles W. Morse became the true role model to him. Um, he was a Wall Street businessman and a speculator. He fooled doctors during medical exams by eating soap shavings to give the appearance of ill health. Um, he was soon released from prison, though. Uh, Ponzi completed his prison term following Morse's release, having an additional month added to his term due to uh, his inability to pay a fine. So he's spent some time in jail at this point. After his release from prison, he makes his way back to Boston while working at a mining camp as a nurse, which, uh, Wait, he excuse, worked... but none of the things we have read up to this point has told me any qualifications for him to be a fucking nurse.
0: I'm sorry, he worked where he, as a nurse? He worked at a mining camp
1: because miners need nurses too.
0: I mean, yeah, but, I mean, they all get the black lung. (laughs) Yeah. People could do anything in the fucking medical field if you were convincing enough.
1: All right, so while he's at this mining camp, he comes up with the idea of going to another mining camp, starting up a utility there that would supply water and power, and selling it stock. So, actually, like, a pretty decent idea, but he had a fellow nurse named Pearl who suffered severe burns, and he volunteered to, like, help by donating some of his skin yeah,
0: you can do that.
1: Yeah, he yeah, he donates 220 square inches of his skin from his back and legs to pearl, but it causes problems because this is 1911 and those surgeries aren't great, and so he ends up with a disability and complications and losing his job. So he's trying to better himself at this fucking mining company and then shit just goes fucking sour because he tries to help a friend. So, after that, he continues to travel around looking for work. In Boston, he met Rose, who's a stenographer, and he proposes marriage. Anyway, they get married in 1918. Um, He starts working in a number of businesses, including his father-in-law's grocery, an import-export company, before hitting upon an idea to sell advertising in a large business listing to be sent to various businesses, Uh, He was unable to sell this idea to businesses, and his company failed soon after. Ponzi took over his wife's family's uh, fruit company for a short time, but to no avail, and it also failed. So he's just, fail, 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 fail.
0: He's running everything into the ground. Okay, this is where the bulk of this shit is going to happen. This is where the scheme starts. So I told you his
1: background, I have told you his failures, I have told you about his million dollars of hopes and dreams.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how he's a criminal. How he's a criminal. But like trying to better himself, but is still like, maybe I should just be a criminal.
1: Yeah. Summer so of 1919. Ponzi decided to set up a small office at 27 School Street, Boston, coming up with the ideas and writing to people he knew in Europe, trying to sell them as opportunities. Um, a few weeks later, later, he received a letter from a company in Spain asking about the advertising catalog. Inside the envelope was an international reply coupon. Something which he had never seen before. He asked about it and found a weakness in the the system, which would, in theory, allow him to make money. So the purpose of the postal reply coupon was to allow someone in one country to send it to a correspondent in another country, who could use it to pay the postage of a reply. Um, So, like somebody in like Europe, Mm -hmm. in this instance, um, wants to send it to America. To America, America. Yeah. yeah. Who could use it? could use the coupon instead of money okay. to pay for a reply to go to that country because it would otherwise be more expensive to pay to send a reply. They're called IRCs because it's International Postal Reply. Um, they're priced at the cost of postage in the country of purchase, but could be exchanged for stamps. Cover the cost of postage in the country they were being redeemed. Okay, okay. So, basically just sending you stamps so that you don't have to pay for stamps. A free
0: stamp. Yeah. Also, uh, postages back during in 1907 were fucking wild. Go Google it. It's a good time. What? Oh, you haven't seen the artwork of postage stamps of oh, 1900? Oh, I have. Yes, They're fucking does. insane and I love them. Yeah, And yes. I want them framed all over my house. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, that would be awesome. Right? But,
1: okay, so... Here's the thing. They send you this IRC, right? But if the postage in Europe costs less than what it costs in America, that means you have this leftover money from these coupons, uh-huh. right? That could give you a potential pro- a potential profit. Um, and then with inflation after World War I, it had greatly decreased the cost of postage in Italy, expressed in U.S. dollars, So an IRC could be bought cheaply in Italy and then exchanged in the U.S. for stamps of a higher value, which could then be sold.
0: That's like constantly making money in one country and then like going immediately over to another country to spend it where it's worth more.
1: Yeah. Ponzi claimed that the net profit of these transactions after expenses and exchange rates was in excess of 400%. Holy fuck. This was a form of arbitrage? or profiting by buying an asset at a lower price on one market and immediately selling it in a market where the price is higher. You know,
0: like the stock market.
1: Which was, and is, still, like the stock market, completely fucking legal. So, seeing an opportunity, Ponzi quit his job as a translator to set his IRC scheme into motion. But he needed a large capital outlay to buy IRCs at the cheaper European currencies. He first tried to borrow money from banks, uh, but they were not convinced and its manager turned him down. Undaunted, Ponzi set up a stock company to raise money from the public. He also went to several of his friends in Boston and promised that he would double their investment in 90 days. So he basically, he can't get money from the bank, so because of his criminal fucking record for stealing money, So he said he would double their investment in 90 days, and then later he shortened this to 45 days at 50% interest, thus doubling investments in three months, in an environment when banks were paying only 5% annual interest. So five versus 50, who are you going to choose, you know? Um, The great returns available from postal reply coupons he explained to them made such incredible profits easy. Um some people invested and were paid off as promised receiving 750 interest on initial investments of 1250. So in January of 1920 so it starts off kind of good. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's not great. It's a good
0: idea. It's just taking like inflation amongst countries yeah into profiting from it.
1: Yeah. So in 1920 Ponzi started his own company, the Securities Exchange Company to promote the scheme. In the first month, 18 people invested in his company with a total of $1,800, which is a fucking lot in
0: 1920. $23,671. So almost
1: $24,000 is what he starts out with.
0: Oh, boy. Right off the bat, that's not bad. It's not amazing, but it's not bad. Okay, so what he does, though, he starts out with 18 people
1: who invested with 1800 He pays them promptly the very next month, but he does it With the money that he gets from the newer people that are investing in this company. Tell your friends. And so the new people come in. He takes their money. Uses it to pay off the people who started, the first 18 people he started off with.
0: Mm.
1: And that's how it goes. So Ponzi set up a larger office. This time in the Niles building on School Street. Which is, it's still on the same fucking street. Word spread and investments came in. Even more. So he's like, tell your friends, tell your friends, tell your friends. And then they did. They did tell their friends. They told all their friends. Ponzi hired agents and paid them generous commission for every dollar they brought in. Um, In just one month's time between February, March 19, February and March of 1920, the average amount invested by people had risen from $5,000 to $25,000 in
0: 1920. All right, let's check that. That is oh $328,000 and seven hundred. dollars Oh my God, they, they have the
1: breakdown right here. 60, is, it went from basically $60,000 to $320,000. So, <laughs> um, okay, so as Frenzy is building, Ponzi hired agents to seek out new investors in New England and in New Jersey. And at that time, investors were being paid impressive rates, which subsequently encouraged others to invest. So by May 1920, he had made $420,000, which is equivalent to $5,400,000 in today's money.
0: But 420 dollars
1: please it. Please it. Plus $8,000. So, <laughs> so by June 1920, people invested. I'm just going to skip the 1920 money. By June 1920, people had invested $32 million into this scheme. Um, by July, he was raking at a million dollars per week and
0: rising. In 1920. See, when you lived in another country and they're like the American dream, this is the bullshit they're talking about. Ponzi schemes. So,
1: um, by the end of July, he was approaching a million dollars per day. What? <laughs> yeah. So, end of, end of Okay. So, what? But the entire country? So let, let's, let's, let's write this up. End of June, he is at a million dollars a week. End of July, a million dollars per day. Oh that God. is what has happened because of these international reply coupons. So Ponzi began depositing the money in the uh, Hanover Trust Bank of Boston um, in the hope that once his account was large enough, he could impose his will on the bank or even be made its president. Um he was like since I have a controlling interest, you know, I I can take priority basically. Oh. He is like I'm after power. I'm after power and money and I already have the money, so let's do the power thing. So holy shit. He bought a controlling interest in the bank through himself and several friends after depositing 3 million and by July 1920 or 1920 192020. 192020! 20, 20. <laughs> so by July 1920, Ponzi had made millions. People were mortgaging out their homes and investing their life savings. But most uh, most of them didn't most did not take their profits but reinvested. Um so Ponzi's company, meanwhile, had to set up branches from Maine to New Jersey. He's just all over the fucking place. Oh, yeah. Um even though Ponzi's company was bringing in fantastic sums of money each day. A simplest financial analysis would have shown that the operation was running at a large loss. As long, he, as, long as money kept flowing in, existing investors could be paid with the new money. This was the only method Ponzi had to continue providing returns to existing investors, as he made no out effort to generate legitimate profits.
0: Wait, so all the money was just money that was coming in to eventually be paid back? It's
1: literally a pyramid scheme. So, well, like, yeah, I mean, he's sitting at the fucking top, 18 people start here, and then they bring in 18 people per person. And so all of the 18, those people below them are getting all their money up at the top. And then more, those 18 people below them, below them are sending in their money, which is going into the people that are above them. It's literally the pyramid scheme.
0: It's literally, it creates, Before
1: Before we knew what a pyramid scheme was, this is the pyramid scheme.
0: Aren't people calling a pyramid scheme now um, multi-level marketing? I,
1: you know, people who are shitty. Yeah. We know what it is. Just because you give it a fancy new name doesn't mean it's something fancy.
0: I just see a lot of people <laughs> making fun of women online about it, apparently. There's like the skincare products where it's like, or um, Mary Kay Mary Kay's one, okay, I wasn't sure, I suspected, I, okay, so the pyramid schemes that I am most familiar with was when I was a child trying to get into acting in mm-hmm. middle school. Do you remember Barbizon?
1: Mm-mm. Well, no, that sounds familiar, actually. mm mm-hmm,
0: because they showed up at every goddamn career day of every middle school ever to tell every little girl ever that they could be a professional model. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're still around today, actually. If Barbizon was like. I'll get into that when you're done. But that's a whole thing. So yeah, <laughs> I
1: mean, so this is how pyramid schemes were basically invented. It's like, and I mean, I was listening to a doc, or I was watching, listening. I was watching a documentary like recently um, that you can find on Netflix. I have to figure out what it's called. But it, <laughs> it, um, it was talking about like essential oils and how those have turned into pyramid
0: schemes. Yes, so, like, there's a Bob's Burgers episode about it. Yeah, and there's like <laughs> here's
1: your oils, but you have to buy the oils in order to make money off the oils and then you have to bring in more people mm-hmm. so that they, when they make money, you can make money off them. So, so. you
0: technically can make money, but you have, but you're a small percentage of the people. Okay. 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 So with companies like that, like you can be part of that, like 15% Yeah, who makes money. And you can the make thing a is, shit ton of money. And but. you can, but you have to be a very small percentage of that company to actually be able to do it. And everyone else is falling their money, money in it to see if they can try and I then mean, kind they of give up. up.
1: To be honest, like, you kind of have to put your morals aside for it because you have to know that what you're doing is you're going to be benefiting from the people that you pull into it. Oh, and yeah. while they're going to be at a loss until they can do the same thing to somebody else, you're you're
0: basically fucking them over. I've had people actively harass me to be part of these companies yeah, because, because like, I – Yeah, make money. Right, because I am um, – an extroverted person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you could probably make a ton. But anyway. But I don't want
1: to do that. Yeah, no. I,
0: I have a friend who, bless
1: him, he is the most charismatic person Aww. I think I've ever fucking met. You met him too. My old roommate.
0: Oh, baby. Yeah. And yeah. he was
1: like, I'm going to be a dentist. I'm going to be a dentist. And then one day, I mean, he's the, literally the most charismatic person you could ever fucking meet. And he one day is just like, actually, I can make a shit ton selling timeshares. And then he did. And then he did. And he made a shit ton of money. Okay, so anyway,
0: <laughs> so I mean, it, it does work if you're like charisma. Out if you don't your give a fuck ass. about stealing about stealing people's money and like making people believe that. They too can make that money. They just have to sell their soul, like okay, yes, Okay. I think then I guess do it, but yeah. If you're like me and you feel kind of bad, don't fucking do it. But
1: imagine for like the first time ever that this concept is ever coming up and nobody has any idea. Like to feel like a genius. Yeah, it's 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 fucking genius. It really is. So Ponzi's initial investors consisted of working class immigrants like himself, Um but gradually as news traveled upward in many well to do Boston. Brahmins. I don't know. Brahmins. What names. the fuck? Brahmins. Okay. Anyway, basically well-to-do people in Boston, they also invested in this game, and in its heyday, nearly 75% of Boston's police force had invested in this game.
0: Yeah, oh, that's when it gets dangerous. now scam like the police force. But they don't know. They think it's like a legitimate thing. Oh, it's a it's a class in Hinduism. Class it's it's brothers. it's like uh, priests, teachers, protectors. It's like you up there.
1: Oh, okay. So it's basically like
0: okay. So that means we have
1: religious people and we have the police force up in here. Yeah, that's basically what that means. Okay, so that's good to know. Ponzi's investors yeah. even included those closest to him, like his chauffeur and his brother-in-law. But, like, they don't see the issue with it at this point. Like, they don't understand, like, the concept of what's
0: happening. They <laughs> don't realize they're, like, They're tricking literally people. scamming you,
1: and you have no fucking idea. All right. I don't think even he had an idea of really what he was doing. He's like, this is fine. I, I saw Bank Zirossi do it. I don't see any problem. Uh, Ponzi was indiscriminate about who he allowed to invest, from young newspaper boys investing a few dollars to high net worth individual, um, like a banker who invested $10,000. Um, so, in summary, he was willing to take any cent from anybody, regardless of how much or how little it was. So, though Ponzi was still paying back investors, mostly from money from subsequent investors, he had not yet figured out a way to actually change the IRCs into cash. <gasps> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so we also subsequently realized that changing the coupons to money was a logistical impossibility because obviously there would be something in place for that. Um for example, for the initial 18 investors of in January 1920, for their $1800 investment, it would have taken 53,000 postal coupons to actually realize the the profits. For the subsequent 15,000 investors, uh, that Ponzi had, he would have had to fill a titanic size or had to fill Titanic-sized ships with these fucking postal coupons just to ship them to the U.S. from Europe. Um, Holy fuck. Yeah, however, Ponzi found that all the interest payments returned to him as investors kept reinvesting. So nobody's aware that this scheme really isn't working. Like, there's, there's something, he had a good idea. You know, he's like, oh, I can take these coupons and I can turn them into money. Listen to my idea and people hear it and they're like, oh, wow, that is a really good idea. Good job. Good job, boy. I'll invest in that. That's a good idea. And then he's like, okay, wait, there's actually no way that I can do this. <laughs> number one, it's impossible to turn it into money. Holy and number shit. two, it's impossible to get the amount of IRCs that I need over here to get try to attempt the kind of money that i can't exchange it for
0: so it's wild so mm-hmm. what's all this money going to okay. to
1: him and all the investors so more people but okay so here's the thing is like all this shit he's realizing he's not making any money off of it so instead he's just getting more investors who are just reinvesting and he's just taking that to pay off people saying oh it's coming from the irc's when really it's actually coming from the new people who are investing oh money. my
0: god yeah yeah, because it's like like with the multi-level marketing, you have to buy the product at a discounted price to then upsell it to people. Mm-hmm. And then you make profit off of it, but then you have to use a chunk of that to buy the product again to sell it. And- but he can't,
1: A, he can't buy them.
0: Because he, can't he needs way too yeah.
1: And then two, he can't exchange them for that price okay. because they cannot be exchanged. I'm
0: actually starting to see the difference between multi-level with multi-level marketing, which is absolutely a fucking pyramid scheme, and don't know why they it's just a changing it's evolved. It's evolved to where you can kind of make money off of it if you, I guess, are smart and, like, know your soul about it. Yeah. But, like, there are... Okay, so there's reasons why I'm going to talk to you when you're done about, like, barbazon, John Robert Powers, and other pyramid schemes where you do not profit. Mm-hmm. And I will get to that. Okay, so
1: Ponzi was living luxuriously off of this because people are living in oblivion thinking that they're making money off of these this IRC scam when really they're just making money off of each other. <laughs> um, he buys a mansion in Massachusetts. Um, he maintained accounts in several bank accounts or several banks across New England. Um, he bought a locomobile, which was the finest car at the time. A locomobile, a locomobile. He had initially bought two first class tickets to Italy for a delayed honeymoon with his, with his wife, but instead decided to change them to bring his mother from Italy to the U.S. in a first class or first class stateroom. That's sweet. Yeah, after he had lied to her about being in jail.
0: But like now <laughs> he is at uh, the top but of now, a pyramid scheme. But now he's like,
1: "Mama, I did it," and it's real cute. So, mm -hmm, she lived with Ponzi and Rose for some time in Lexington, but then died soon after. Oh, baby. Um, And then on July 31st of 1920, 1920 was a big fucking year for Ponzi. Ponzi told his pastor, the father, um, director of the Italian children's home, that he would donate $100,000 to honor his mother's death, which is really sweet. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Ponzi also bought a macaroni company. (laughs) just because and, and, and part of a wine company in an attempt to gain profits that could be used to repay some of the investors in the irc scam because once you get so many people you know you still have to get more and if that's not working then you kind of have to pull money from somewhere else so he's like okay if i I'd invest in these businesses and then these businesses give me money so that i give that money to these people who are giving me money who are you know, giving other people money. Ugh. Oh my god. It's a big fucking mess. All right, um, so Ponzi's rapid rise to uh Ponzi's rapid rise. Napid why? Wow. All of that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Napid rise. Jesus Christ. All right. Ponzi's <laughs> rapid rise naturally drew suspicion. When a Boston financial writer suggested there was no way that he could legally deliver such high returns in such a short period of time, Ponzi then sued him for libel and then won (laughs) half a million dollars. Um, As libel law at the time placed the burden of proof on the writer and the publisher, this effectively neutralized anybody else from looking into it. Oh, no! <laughs> they are just like, well, we don't want to get sued, so we're just not.
0: How did this get... How did people stop doing this? Did people just wise up and eventually stop investing? Okay, so this... That's what it sounds that's like. That's what I'm heading towards. Because this scheme still fucking exists. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> It's <nonetheless>, not outlawed! <laughs> no, parts of it are.
0: Okay, so nonetheless, there were still
1: signs of his eventual ruin... Um, Joseph Daniels, who is a Boston furniture dealer who had given Ponzi furniture, which he could not have paid to pay for, sued Ponzi to cash in on the gold rush. The lawsuit was unsuccessful, but it did prompt people to begin asking how how Ponzi could have gone from being penniless to being a millionaire in such a short span of time. Uh, there was a run on the securities exchange company as some investors decided to pull out. Uh, Ponzi paid them, and then the run stopped. So people started pulling out because they're like, wait... Maybe there's something to this. Maybe this doesn't make sense. But at this point, he had so much money, he could just pay them off and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you saying? doesn't make sense. And they're like, we oh, forgot. Thank you for the money. So on July 24th, 1920, again, big year for Ponzi. The Boston Post printed a favorable article on Ponzi and a scheme that brought in investors faster than ever. Oh my God. At that time, Ponzi was making $250,000 a day, which is basically past a million dollars. No, I thought that days. was. I thought that
0: was. No, a million.
1: The million dollars that I said per day was in today's money. So, so the
0: twenty. So the two hundred fifty million. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars a day is not in today's money. It's in. It's in. Past money. So we have to calculate that one. Jesus Christ! That's I'm gonna need you to stick with a goddamn calculator. I didn't. I thought you said that we were done with the we're 1920 not money anymore. Is <laughs> three million million. Dollars, three million dollars a day. A day. I just need us to take I... a moment now. This is making me question whether or not the numbers in my story are nineteen twenty numbers. <laughs> uh, yeah. So three million
1: fucking dollars. Actually, it's over three million dollars a day.
0: It's over three million. Three million. It's, it's three hundred thousand. It's three point two. It's it's close to three point three million. Per day, so Her this, day. this man is making just under three point three million dollars a day. A day in nineteen twenty. That's it. the cost <laughs> of like an act, a rich actor's which, child's birthday party which today. By the way,
1: <laughs> which by the way, this jump is within two fucking months. Where she, he's in fucking June. He's making. What did we say? Like, around 300000 And then at the end of July, he's making a million. and Or, no, at the beginning of July, he's making a million. And now it's July 24th, and he's making $3 million a day. That's insane. I
0: know! That reminds me of the girl who sold nudes to save the Australian wildfires. Yeah. Her entire family disowned her. Oh, fuck. Them. Over that. And I was she like... She did good for the world. You know what? She did. This guy did not. So...
1: <laughs> Um, so Ponzi's good fortune was increased by the fact that he had just, that just below this favorable article, which seemed to imply that Ponzi was indeed returning 50% on investment after only 45 days, on top of that article, he gets a bank advertisement that stated that the bank was paying 5% returns annually. So now, he's saying you make 50% returns, but then the bank is teaming up with him and being like, if you team with them, then you'll get an extra 5,000, or 5%, so
0: that's,
1: oh man. All right, so... Next business day after this article was published, Ponzi arrived in his office to find thousands of Bostonian Boston citizens waiting. Bostonian. To, yeah, Bostonians, there you go. Waiting to give him their money. They're just like, yeah, let me in, you know. Um despite this reprieve, the post acting publisher um, and the city editor were suspicious and they they assigned investigative reporters to look into Ponzi because this is just in fucking insane. like the man the fact that this man is making 3.3 million dollars a day, they're just like, how? 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 They're like, oh, that's great. you get this awesome article good for you. you get more
0: people, I guess good for you. but fucking how At this point in time, I'm sure banks are like, in this economy?
1: How? <laughs> yeah.
0: We just mean- went through a pandemic. We just had World War 1. Like We had a lot of uh, finances as a country, a lot of expenses. This is like right
1: after World War 1. Like it's a, it's World War one, right after
0: World War 1. Yeah. Which World War 1 was like what, 1917? 19 19- 19 was uh, the fucking like influenza pandemic mm-hmm. and now we're in
1: 1920 where this man is making 3.3 million dollars a day and i will continue to say that because like
0: this country crazy. is like we need help
1: so he was also under investigation by massachusetts authorities and on the day the post printed uh, its famous article praising him ponzi met with state officials He managed to divert the officials from checking his books by offering to stop taking money during the investigation, which was a fortunate choice as they weren't even keeping records on it at the time. They're just like, we'll stop taking money. Don't worry about it. We haven't been tracking them anyway. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Ponzi's offer temporarily calmed the suspicions of state officials. They're like, oh, okay. You mean well. Good job. Good job. So, okay, here we go. We're going into the collapse of how this how, how this fucking thing came to an end because at this point, he just rise, 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 rise. On the rise. On the rise. <laughs> on the rise. Um, so, on July 26, my post started a series of articles that asked hard questions about the operations of Ponzi's money machine. The paper contacted a financial journalist um, to examine it and they observed that though Ponzi was offering fantastic returns on investments, he was not investing in his own company. <laughs> Which is just like, Wait a you minute. Like, you tell people like, oh, you can make so much money. You can make so much money. Let me just give you all the money. I'm making $3 million a day. Like, so much money. And this guy's like, but wait. How are you making this three million? Because you're not even invested in your own fucking company. So where are you getting this three million if it's not from your own investment? company? Yeah.
0: Holy shit.
1: So Barrett, the this publisher, or sorry, uh, this journalist, uh, then noted that to cover the investments made with the securities exchange company, 160 million postal reply coupons would have had to be in circulation. Oh my God. However, out of the 160 million that he would need to make a profit on this company, 27,000 of them existed. Dun, dun, dun. The United States Post Office stated that postal reply coupons were not being bought in quantity at home or abroad. The gross profit margin in percent on buying and selling each IRC was colossal, but the overhead required to handle the purchase and redemption of these items, which were extremely low cost and were sold individually, would have to exceed the gross profit. They're saying, yeah, sure, like, the exchange is great, but, like, there's other, like, taxes that go along with it that would have to be paid. So, in the end, it's not that much of a fucking difference. Yeah. Um, so, then this journalist noted that if Ponzi really was doing what he claimed to do, he would effectively be profiting at the expense of a government. So, profiting at the expense of a government, either the governments where he bought the coupons or... U.S. government.
0: Uh. For this
1: reason, he argued that even if Ponzi's operation was legitimate, it was immoral to take advantage of a government in this manner. So he's basically saying like, okay, sure, maybe, maybe he does have this $160 some of IRCs lying around somewhere that he somehow got magically. Even if that is true, the only way that he could do that is through immoral uh, means.
0: And that's where he draws the line?
1: He's just like Are, you're investing in ripping off your country which like at the time it's like America fuck yeah.
0: I mean we yeah, we were like that for like a little too long there. This article causes a fucking panic
1: obviously. Yeah. On the company. Mm-hmm. Ponzi paid out two million in three days to a wild crowd outside of his office. He canvassed the crowd Passed out coffee and donuts and cheerfully told them that they had nothing to worry about. You say, like, Don't worry about it, guys. You still got your money. Because back hey. then,
0: people, if they wanted anything to happen, they had to show up in person. They couldn't live virtually. Uh, yeah, exactly. And also, keep in mind that these are probably like the new
1: investors who haven't seen any money yet. Like, they're investing in the people above them.
0: I've just realized every angry comment of people who like obsessively like stalk you online, like back then would like show up at your house. Yep. Oh my god, that's terrifying. It's, it's awful. awful. It's so Fucking freaky. So there's uh, uh,
1: these are people who haven't gotten their money yet, and they're mad because they're like, "You told me I could make a million dollars. You told me I could be like you, and I'm and you don't even invest in yourself." It's a lot of shit. Okay. Oh my god. So they, some of them, they're just like, "Oh, coffee, donuts, thank you. This is what I need," and then they leave and they're happy. <laughs> um, but however, this attracted the attention. Of the U.S. state attorney, <laughs> or the U.S. attorney—sorry, U.S. state that doesn't make sense—which actually does make sense because it's a state attorney for the district. Uh, this attorney commissioned Edwin Pride to audit. This company's books in an effort to make an effort made difficult by the fact that Ponzi's bookkeeping system consisted of merely index cards with investors' names. Baby,
0: <laughs> were they in You're like a like, Pokemon like, card like <laughs> like binder?
1: <by laughs> like, look at all my cards that I collected. Yeah, it's basically just. I'm I'm sorry. The story is going on much longer. No, it's
0: good. fine. It's actually you said it wasn't that interesting. It is interesting. Okay, and it's interesting because. We are so familiar with these schemes today, and if anyone listening is too young to know the scheme, you will know the scheme. Yeah. <laughs> One day you will know it. You will know someone who has fallen victim to it. We all Absolutely. do at some point. Just don't be that person. So,
1: okay, so this journalist looks into him. He cover, He basically finds all these fucking problems with the machine, if you want to call it that. And then this attracts the attention of the U.S. Or U.S. state attorney... Of Massachusetts, who's like, okay, we're gonna fire, we're gonna hire an investigator to look into your books. They look into his books, find out that they're only index cards in a Pokemon bug,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like Yu-Gi-Oh
1: <laughs> card binder. Yeah, this is my summation of it. And I'm gonna try to rush through the rest of this. In the meantime, Ponzi hires a publicist. Um, however, his publicist quickly becomes suspicious of Ponzi. <laughs> He hires a publicist to, like, cover up him being suspicious, but he becomes suspicious.
0: Unfortunately, he hires a publicist with a conscience. Yeah,
1: so he becomes suspicious of Ponzi's endless talk and post-reply coupons, um, as well as the ongoing investigation against him. He's just like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to be a publicist for somebody who's actually fucking guilty. He later described Ponzi as a financial idiot who did not know how to add... (laughs) Amazing. <laughs> the uh, the denouement for Ponzi began in late July when Mcmasters found several highly incriminating documents that indicated Ponzi was merely was merely robbing Peter to pay Paul, just like we talked about. earlier. So Mcmasters, uh, who was this um, who was his publicist, went on to his former employer with the information, and his former employer offered him five thousand dollars for his story. Um, which I feel like Ponzi probably could have paid more, but maybe his conscience plus $5,000, $5, which is still a lot of money. I don't know how much, but it's a lot. Uh, so it, the former employer offers him $5,000 for the story. It's printed in the Post in August, and his article declares Ponzi hopelessly insolvent, reporting that while he claims $7 million in liquid funds... He was actually at least $2 million in debt with interest factored in. McMaster's wrote Ponzi was as much as $4.5 million in the red. Oh my God. So this is basically like a fucking slam down on this dude where he's like, he's not making anything. Yeah. The story touched off a massive run and Ponzi paid off in one day. Then he sped up plans to build a massive conglomerate that would engage in banking and import-export operations. So, Massachusetts Bank Commissioner, however, became concerned that if major withdrawals exhausted Ponzi's reserves, it would bring the banking system to its knees. So now the, the banks are getting fucking involved in this. It's gonna fuck them up. The bank commissioner's suspicions were further aroused when he found out a large number of Ponzi-controlled accounts had received more than $250,000 in loans to keep up with investing. Oh, my
0: this God. This led Alan to speculate that Ponzi
1: was not nearly as well financed as he claimed. Since he was getting large loans from the bank he effectively controlled, he ordered two bank examiners to keep an eye on his accounts. Bank examiners reported that enough investors had cashed their checks on Ponzi's main account there that it was almost certainly overdrawn. Allen, the bank commissioner, then ordered Hanover Trust, which is the bank, not to pay out any more checks from Ponzi's main account. He also orchestrated an involuntary bankruptcy filing by several small Ponzi investors. Uh, the move forced the Attorney General to release a statement that there was little to support Ponzi's claims of large-scale dealings and postal coupons. State officials then invited Ponzi note holders to come to the Massachusetts State House to furnish their names and addresses for the purpose of the investigation. On the same day, Ponzi received a preview of Pride's audit, which revealed Ponzi was at least $7 million in debt. Oh.
0: Because he's not making any money, he's just taking people's money. Yeah, he's taking people's money to give back bank, to other people. Exactly. So, uh, um, it all
1: came crashing down for Ponzi. First, the Post came out with a front page story about his criminal activities in Montreal 13 years earlier, including his forgery conviction and his role at Zorosi Scandal Bank. Then that afternoon, Bank Commissioner seized the bank that he owned, basically, due to numerous irregularities. The commissioner thus inadvertently foiled Ponzi's plan to borrow funds from the bank vaults as a last resort in the event of all other efforts to obtain funds. So by the morning of August 12th, Ponzi's certificate of deposit at Hanover Trust, which had been worth $1.5 million, was reduced to $1 million after bank officials tapped into it to cover the overdraft. Even if he had been able to convert it into cash, he would have only... $4 million in assets amid reports that he was about to be arrested any day. Ponzi surrenders to federal authorities morning that morning and accepted Pride's figures. He was charged with mail fraud for sending letters uh, to his marks telling them their notes had been matured. He was originally released on tw- uh, $25,000 bail, which but it doesn't even matter because he was immediately rearrested on state charges of larceny, for which he posted an additional $10,000 bond. So it went from $25,000 to $35,000. So after the post released the results of the audit, the bail bondsman feared Ponzi might flee the country and withdrew the bail for the federal charges. Um, The attorney, General Allen, declared that if Ponzi managed to regain his freedom, the state would seek additional charges and seek a bail high enough to ensure Ponzi would stay in custody. Finally, we're at the end. The news brought down five other banks in addition to the one that he owned. Ponzi's investors were practically wiped out, receiving less than 30 cents to the dollar. They saw their financial pictures all but destroyed. They lost about 20 million.
0: Holy shit. Man, he just like crippled Chicago. Wait, well, that's not
1: Chicago, Boston. Boston. So they lost about 20 million in 1920 dollars. They lost approximately 200 million. In today's money.
0: <gasps> yeah. Oh my god, that's colossal. Yeah. So by
1: comparison, um, there's another s- similar scheme by Bernard Madoff. The Madoff, um, you've heard of that, right? I don't... No.
0: No. Ponzi is a much more famous name how yeah, is sure. fun to say
1: but' it's, it's a similar <laughs> kind of scheme but it collapsed in 2008 costs and investors in 2008 um, yeah this is, it's like a similar scheme in 2008. Wow um, that costs his investors 18 billion dollars So the same thing happened again in 2008 it cost people 18 billion dollars man yeah so he's charged with 86 counts of mail fraud faced with life imprisonment uh, imprisonment. And at the urging of his wife, he pleaded guilty uh, to a single count. Here was a man with all the duties of seeking large money. He concocted a scheme which, on his counsel's admission, did defraud men and women. It will not do to have the world understand such a scheme as that can be carried out without receiving substantial punishment. So he's sentenced to five years in federal prison. And that is the story
0: of the original Ponzi Scheme. Hey guys, it's me. Um, This episode went on for a little too long, so we're just going to separate it into two separate ones. So thanks again for listening, and keep it creepy. Music by freestockmusic.com For blog posts showing visuals for each episode, you can find our blog at cotmpodcast.com. If you'd like to help support us and receive discounts and loyalty rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash on the We record every episode live Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash thetigerwizard. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast app or site, please let us know and we'll fix that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates on episodes, blog posts, and special events. And don't forget, keep it creepy.